Parrish, welcome to this update. I'm just going to tell everyone about the first interview because it was such a wild ride. I had to have a lie what? down afterwards. I'm so <laughs> shy. <laughs> yeah, it really. Was, uh, little Britain, too shy, too shy. <laughs> really? No, I mean, it had everything in it. I mean, there were some really tough stories about your childhood and the abuse you suffered. There was uh, the, the 70s and 80s, the sort of New York... Um, High Life, being named by Warhol, the club atmosphere, the Madonna opening for you one night. I mean, all these sort of amazing stories and the people that uh, you um, hung out well, with. And I like to say I've been laid, relayed, parlayed and souffléed. And there's the evidence right there. OK, you've also been a, a pioneer of electro hip hop. Um, and which has been really important. And you work with some amazing artists in in your life. We talked about all that. We even had a bit of murder, the Michael Eilig story. How just that? Just oh my God! Yeah, that was a hardcore yes. story. Something it, that it, I it think... contains everything: love, uh, sadness, and even murder. What a great story! <laughs> it certainly does. I mean, it's, it's like wild. a good movie, right? Yeah, exactly. And it should be a movie. It definitely should be a movie. Anyhow, I want to talk about what you've done since I talked to you, um, and you know what's been happening in your life. Um, so may maybe, you know, just start off by telling me how have you been in the last uh, nine months? Gassy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been pretty good. <laughs> uh, things have been good. I'm working. Um, I finished a Klaus Nomi album. I took all of his original vocals and restored them. 45-year-old uh, vocals. And I rebuilt his album completely by hand from scratch without any other samples. Uh, and if you go to manparish.com and hit the Klaus Nomi button, you can listen to 10 minutes for free and you can, you can get it off of the website. Uh, but I think Sony Legacy in France is now possibly looking at putting it out because uh, I haven't formally released it yet. Um, and I did an album called Sunset on Mars. And it's kind of a lo-fi, you know, like a chill-out, loungy, yeah, I, in my day was soul to soul kind of laid back groove kind of thing with uh, I said to my friend Stephen who sings, I said, we need a theme. And he said, um, what about Mars? And I said, what about Sunset on Mars? And he said, great. And I, I, I did the song uh, Sunset on Mars in parentheses Uranus mix. <laughs> <laughs> so I like having fun, obviously. I got a sense of humor. Uh, but um we did a remake of um, uh, uh, Space David Oddity. Bowie's, uh, Space Oddity. Uh, yeah, Space Oddity. And um, I sent it to Angie Bowie and a couple of other people. They say it sounds like David. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're sounding like David Bowie now. Cool. But it's a complete departure from my typical uh, uh, erasure kind of synthesizer sequencer stuff. Um, it's got guitars on it and, uh, you know, and and four-part, five-part harmony background vocals and all that. So uh, that just came out a couple of days ago, and we're really happy. By the time this gets out, it should definitely be, uh, you know, in the stores worldwide, uh, the digital stores, you know, iTunes, Amazon, and all that kind of stuff. So, so tell really me about, happy. Tell me about Stephen Jones, because you just mentioned his voice. And uh, just tell me about how you met him and how you came to work together. Um, I have We have a mutual friend, Donna Destry, who's, brother was the keyboard player in Blondie, Jimmy Destry. And um, I've known Donna for a while and she contacted me and said, 
we're doing some tracks. Would you like to produce or mix? I don't remember what the first one was, produce or mix. And I said, sure. And um, uh, Stephen was the singer. And um, he's got like a dark Depeche Mode kind of voice. And, you know, I'm a manic depressive. So I thought ah, we'd get along perfect. <laughs> I'm not a manic depressive. <laughs> I'm just a, a garden variety depressive at times. <laughs> but I thought we'd get along. We, we hit it off pretty well. We did a couple of stab in the dark tracks. Uh, we did a uh, a Depeche Mode remake and a couple of other things like that. So uh, um, I said, why don't we do an album? And we did an album called Make Me Famous. And we did a, a great remake of Grace Jones' Pull Up to the Bumper, which is on that album. And uh, I said, OK, let's let, let's go for the biggie. Let's do the, re the real album. And uh, that's the sunset on Mars, you know, and it's, it's got, you know, fly me to the moon and your glittering balloon and all that kind of stuff. Sitting at the holding hands and watching the sunset on Mars, you know, it was just kind of a, a fun thing to do, you know. Did, I mean, did you actually think of like a story? Because when I get when I went through the song list, you know, it's called Sunset on Mars. You've got a song for you, baby, I'm yours, baby, I'm yours, weightless instead of weightless, weightless. Uh, love ain't easy, lonely in space, time flies, only you, sweetness of you, starry night, you're beautiful. Sounds like a romance. I had love songs. I did love songs. Yeah, because, you know, I'm kind of a big mush inside, you know? I mean, I it's not that I love love songs, but I actually like Michael Buble sometimes. Oh, my God. But that's like an old cheese. I get old and, I, you know, I kind of enjoy, you know, Hey, listen, I'll put on sex pistols and anything like that in a second and jump in a mosh pit and bang my head around. But sometimes it's just nice to go, oh, it's the end of the day and I don't want to listen to something like this. I'm tense. So let me chill out. And that's the result of, you know, my my vomiting my love songs. <laughs> but I tried to not make them too mushy. You know what I mean? I tried to I tried to make the tracks kind of hip and cool, you know, without too much, uh, uh, you know, cheese involved you know a lot of whining no cheese <laughs> you must have met bowie in your time so i've got a couple of stories with bowie as a bowie fan my friend sandy and i used to we, we found out that he rented a um a townhouse on 20th street between 8th and 9th avenue so we found out which one it was well she found out and we used to sit on his front steps waiting for him to come home from work. We thought he would come home at five o'clock and he'd have to step over us to go into his house. And we sat there for, we would take the subway into Manhattan and sit there for like weeks on, you know, days. And you want, not today, let's go tomorrow. And of course, we never met Bowie. My friend, Sherry Vanella, was a, was a dear friend of mine. She was uh, one of the Andy Warhol uh, stars and she starred in Pork in London and and all that kind of stuff and uh, I was working for Cherry for free like putting together press kits and stuff slave labor but I enjoyed it one day Cherry said Angie Bowie called me down the block she was on the same block one street and wants to know if you want to go to the circus and I thought I'd take you as a thank you because she couldn't pay me and I said sure we went to Bowie's house and I was like, oh, my God, I've got a David Bowie's house, you know. And um, it was a three-story house, uh, uh, one, two, three, three-story, four-story brownstone. Uh, and we went down in the, in, in the ground floor. The front had kind of like a big kitchen with a big old table and, and a wooden cupboard. And behind that was the formal kitchen. Second floor was a uh, living room. Third floor was bedrooms. And top floor was a floor through uh, uh, um, loft space. Uh, and how I know that 
is that Angie, uh, Terry and Angie were talking and how's David doing? Is he writing musical? He can't do it right now. His reel-to-reel tape recorder is broken. And Sherry said, why don't you send Manny upstairs? Because he has tape recorders and synthesizers. I'm sure he knows about that. Would you like to go? And I went, are you kidding? Very, yes, I'll go and I'll take a look. I went up to the second floor, which is their living room. I snooped around. I looked under ashtrays. You know what I mean? I opened up. I went to the third room. I opened up their underwear drawer, looking, peeling through the underwear. I'm looking through their nightstand. I go to the bathroom. I'm in the medicine cabinet, checking the medicines. And I go up to the top floor. David wasn't there. And I thought, well, this is going to be Starman. I'm going to see the parabolic, you know, the, the chamber that he lives in and, you know, uh, the teleporter. And I thought it would be all chrome and glass, maybe with a dry ice machine on the floor, constantly running, kind of visual in my head. And I get up there and it was like um, it was like dream catches and and woven Navajo blankets. And I was like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? This is David Bowie. You know what I mean? Like, what the hell? Well, he was a folk singer. So that was kind of like his, I don't know, decorating aesthetic then, you know, and, and that would have been uh, uh, when uh, around the time when Young Americans came out. So it was at 76 or something like that, maybe uh, somewhere around that time, 76, 78, maybe. Uh, and uh, we went to the circus with Angie and, uh, Mick Jones, which is known Zoe in those days, and it was a great time. So went back to Cherry's. A few days later, she performed at a club called Trudy Heller's in New York on 9th Street and 6th Avenue, and it was a um, uh, it was a, 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 a like a nightclub, like a cabaret they had in those days, and uh, you know cabaret singers would sing. And Cherry had a cute little show, and she'd sing and do little antics and sing to her vibrator, you know, do a little poetry about her vibrator. You know, wall crazy kind of stuff and she said to me and i'd help her get dressed and carry her heavy bags and she said somebody important is going to come in today uh when they come i want you to block the the the, the door to the to the uh, uh the dressing room and i said okay that's great we're in the back and she's frantically changing clothes and i think okay it must be somebody important suddenly we hear screaming in this small little very maybe double the size of somebody's living room club and oh my god and she said he's here he's here go out go out and, and you know like guide him back there and i look and it's david bowie and I don't know if you remember, there was a beautiful black woman with white hair called Ava Cherry, who appeared on the 1984 floor. She was with him and this quite handsome, you know, uh, black man. And they went in and I and I'm, I'm standing guard. I'm, I, I, I'm, you know, tough and I'm the security guard. And I'm standing at the door because David Bowie's in there. And uh, uh, the owner came. She was a big old lesbian. She said, yeah, I got drinks. I said, you can't come in. She goes, it's my club. If you don't let me in, I'm going to kick you in the balls. And you know, Cherry says, oh, no, leave him alone, leave him alone. Anyway, I got to, I came inside, we locked the door, and I'm just standing there. Here's David Bowie. And it was his, right after he did The Man Who Fell to Earth, so he had that hair. And it was, I was just like, oh, my God. So he said, it's too hot, it's too crazy, it's too tight. I'm at Electric Lady Studios, which is the studio that um, Jimi Hendrix put together in New York on 8th Street, which is right around the block. Why don't you pack up? We're going to go back to the studio. We, you know, we'd love you to come. And Cherry said, well, we're going to the studio. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we walked around the block. Of course, when Bowie left, the whole club followed him down the, <laughs> the block, you know, around the corner. There's 50 people, you know. And he was very cool and very nice about, about it. And uh, we went to Electric Lady. We went into the, into the control room. 
and um, everybody's doing coke and air kissing. Air kisses, love you, coke and and, and smoking joints and sitting around talking. And uh, I'm a synthesizer guy. I had my eye on a big synthesizer out in the studio. But basically, uh, David said, "Do you want to hear my new track?" And we were like, "Yeah, sure." He says, um, "This guy over here," and he pointed to a handsome black guy, and he said. This guy, his name is Luther Vandross, and he's a background singer, but he's going to be somebody someday, right? So I got to meet Luther Vandross, and he pushed up a couple of faders. He said, it's a rough mix. Don't judge, you know, don't judge it by then, but it'll be great. Hits play, and it was Young Americans. So we got to hear Young Americans off the 24 track before it was actually released, you know? So uh, I, I met David Bowie. <laughs> and then I was later managed by his manager, Tony DeFries, which is an absolute nightmare uh, 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 later on in my life. So it's this weird six degree. And I worked with Klaus Nomi. And I was there when they did the Saturday Night Live famous uh, 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 thing with Joey and Adrian and Klaus. And, you know, I was there. So it was this weird six degree of separation thing that happened. So when you say space oddity is kind of like coming full circle in a weird way. When you say you were there, were you at the in the Saturday Night Live audience when Joey Aaron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, there was a guest list and people could come along. You know what I mean? So we were just sitting there in the audience and like, oh my god, this is great. Klaus Nomi's going to become at that point. It was like Klaus is going to become famous. Everybody's going to see this opera singing, you know, a, a, a robotic, you know, white pancake thing. And I was working with Klaus. I was doing some music with him. I worked on his albums and his live shows. And we thought, this is the ticket. We're going to make it. Bowie's going to help us. And the moment the uh, the show, that, that that segment ended, Bowie went straight to the elevators, went downstairs, and everybody's like, wait, where's Bowie? And he disappeared. Klaus never saw him again, except when Klaus was dying and in the hospital because in those days it was called grid gay related immune deficiency before AIDS. He couldn't pay the bills and Bowie uh, uh, paid his hospital bills because there, there wasn't um, uh, insurance for queers and, and, and puffs back in those days because you were, you, you were like whores and prostitutes and junkies. So the government wasn't going to pay you. So uh, Klaus had no money and they, and, and, you know, they wanted their money, but Bowie came to the rescue at the very end, which was, really kind and beautiful of him you know what i mean he, he, he paid uh, Klaus's bill so yeah you know how difficult is it to cover such an iconic song as space oddity um, and not and not be worried that you're gonna completely cock it up can i curse on this podcast you can fuck them if they're not paying my rent i don't care you know no, no it's not really that it, it you come to a certain point that you you do i have an album called The Art of Pop. I have three, it's three, you know, volume one, two, and three. I mean, we did Michael Jackson uh, tracks. We did Madonna, Vogue, which I just posted on my website because we have a huge fat, you know, I, I took the Madonna video and every time Madonna was there, I cut it out and I put in this fat drag queen doing the Madonna thing, you know. So, uh, you know, I, 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 don't think about that. Maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, I would have thought, oh, my God, they're going to this, they're going to that. But it's either going to work or it's not. And I look at it this way. If it's not going to work, nobody's going to hear it. So who cares? <laughs> if it works, then people are going to hear it because they like it. So it kind of takes away that, uh, uh, you know, that stigma. I did a, a divine song, Native Love. I did Johnny, Are You Queer? You know, uh, by uh, Josie, whatever her name is. And, uh, and I'm not afraid to do stuff. I did Sedated by the Ramones, 
you know, so how do you do stuff like that? You kind of do it, you know, and you're a judge. I never like anything that I do. So it's like, okay, I'll let it out there, but I let it out. Not because I'm afraid somebody's going to not, you know, say something bad about it. I let out because, okay, it's acceptable to me. I wish it was better, but most artists are neurotic like that anyway. So, you know, uh, yeah, I'll put it out. I'll do it. You know, I'm, 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 you know, fuck them. <laughs> I mean, you're clearly someone who can't sit still that really has to be doing things my, the whole time. My physical, literal physical problem is I have too much adrenaline. So uh, it, 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 when I was, now it's called ADD or, or whatever. When I was a kid, it was called hyperactive. Mrs. Parrish, your son is hyperactive and can't sit still in school. So it's a problem. It keeps me up at night. I can't sleep sometimes. Uh, I always have to work, work, work. I just finished the album three days ago and I'm in the studio doing new stuff. You know, so it's a blessing and a curse. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me being creative. It's the key to me not being fully insane. I don't want to turn off all the insanity because then I wouldn't be doing uh, Sunset on Mars Uranus mix <laughs> you know I mean that keeps me going but you know it's, it's a blessing and a curse so I do have too much energy as you could hear from my mouth <laughs> well listen man Parrish I want to wish you all the luck with Sunset on Mars where can people buy it I believe um, it, 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 when this comes out uh, let's see we're, we're in the beginning of February it, it I think it was yes February 3rd it was in the American stores and it usually takes about a week so it'll be in any kind of digital outlet around the world. You know, uh, Amazon, uh, 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 Napster, uh, wherever you, iTunes, wherever you get your music from, Spotify, you should be able to stream it, you know. And nobody buys music, so stream it and I'll get my 0 0.0025 cents. Thank you. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I will say goodbye. I, there's one, one wish I have in my life, and that's to have a night out with you in New York. I know we're both older, it would be but great. I would love to do that one day. So when great. I come the to New York, I'm going to bring you up. Me, the famous producer on Broadway, and we went to my 15-year-old party. He disappeared in the back, got drunk, came back without his pants on, and he said, I can't find my pants. We had to go next door to a restaurant and get a, a, a tablecloth and send them home in a cab. So... I'm willing if you're willing. <laughs>